from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org. Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mesher-Collins with Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we'll be visiting with John Flanagan, Executive Director of the Labore Society, a nonprofit organization that provides spiritual support and financial assistance with student loan debt to men and women discerning priesthood or religious life. But before we get to today's interview, let's find out what's on the bishop's mind. Well, first of all, what's on my mind? Kelly, it's just good to have you back. Yeah, it's good studio. to be back. We've got the full team is reunited <laughs> here. This is great. So it's been a bit. Various yeah. circumstances, you know. <laughs> personal and otherwise i hope you had the retreat was good for your spiritual very good and uh, yes kind of rejuvenated Mm -hmm. you as well and uh uh, just good to have that dynamic as so we'll have to bounce it back a little bit more here okay you know not just uh, (laughs) you know our interviewee is great in the labore society but we have other things going on so uh yeah and just uh these are very eventful days for Mm -hmm. families and everything else obviously the drake relays in des moines and drawing not only world-class athletes but athletes from all over the state of iowa central and southwest iowa and proud uncle I'm going to give a shout out to my nephew Michael, who uh, finished second in the large school class four by four relay with Congrats. Anthony Centennial. Very, so very yeah, exciting. so yeah, it's really great to see all of them, and there's just the stellar performances yeah. and how the, all these athletes had to fast last year, and now the opportunity mm-hmm. to, to show their performance and and less mingling perhaps directly with some of the world class and Olympic athletes who would be coming to mm-hmm. the, uh, Drake Stadium, the Blue Oval, but uh, just still, a, I think a great showcase for the state of Iowa in so many ways as well. I was also speaking of Drake. Uh, uh, we continued last night. I was at the Candlelight Mass for the first time with the St. Catherine Student Center. And so with the students, it literally is a Candlelight Mass, you know. I mean, you know, no wedding took place, but it was, you know, the, the lights fall. are dim. You know, <laughs> they at least had enough lights for me to see and everything else. Mm-hmm. But uh, but oh, really a great spirit. And students, obviously, and throughout the, the country are winding down their semesters and a little anxiety as well. So they found their peace as well. Beautiful music, as always, with the, the Latin Mass parts as well. Oh, wow, so very- they. they you know, nice. kind of mm-hmm. Not trying to be, you know, retro or anything else, but just drawing from the great treasury of the church's tradition. So uh, we kind of reflected with them about our faith. That quote from St. Augustine, that faith that merely believes what it ought to believe is dead. Faith that merely believes what it ought to believe is dead. And so not only for college students, young people, mm-hmm. but for all of us, unless we continue to go deeper, we're not uh, we you know, risk becoming static or kind of uh, paralyzed in our faith. And the, we know the challenge is we have to always uh, cast our trust evermore. So as with our young people, again, the opportunity to confirm and administer mm-hmm. that sacrament tonight at St. Pius in Urbandale, tomorrow Holy Spirit in Creston, and on Friday, finally getting out to the good people at St. Patrick in Missouri Valley. So uh, spanning the diocese, but uh, just also getting a sense of the personalities of parishes, and mm-hmm. they really do have different personalities along the way. Also had the chance to connect with Father Ross Parker, our vocation director, with Deacon Max Carson in Rome. Oh, and he's sick. coming down in two months for him and the other four men who will be mm-hmm. your priest and just a, a chance to see how he's doing and how his uh, year of studies at the Angelicum University in Rome. So we uh, we uh, touched base in that and uh, it was a very beautiful thing to, to do as well. So uh, again, so much uh, going on. I also <laughs> had a little quick visit to Mundelein Seminary. You know, the uh, Des Moines Diocese uh, in the past has used Mundelein Seminary mm-hmm. as one of the major theologates that we patronize. Uh, was uh, They're known presently now, but the much beloved Father Mark McGarry is so 
associate pastor mm-hmm. at St. Francis of Assisi, who's soon to become pastor at St. John and Paul in Altoona. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, they were asking about him because obviously he had left a, you know, large footprints. And that's mm-hmm. no comment on his uh, six, seven height. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, he's much well regarded. And uh, for me personally, uh, some of my former students who themselves are poised to be mm-hmm. priests or deacons, uh, it gave a, I gave a, an hour-long uh, seminary conference to them. And again, let's not kid ourselves, invite Bishop Johnson, maybe Des Moines will consider Madeline again. So it was kind of their <laughs> recruitment of Des Moines under the guise of having me give a talk. Uh, at least my former students understood me. I don't know <laughs> anyone else, but lots of spiritual nourishment. Thinking about the topic of how our intellectual life rhymes with our prayer. And obviously we move into the darkness ultimately where even our reason defers to our will, to the love, the love that beckons us, the mm-hmm. love that wants to unite us. Even if felt as darkness, it draws us into that contemplative stillness. Uh, so very good. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll welcome John Flanagan, Executive Director of the Labore Society, to talk about their work with men and women discerning vocations. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at BigRedQ-DesMoines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Dowling Catholic Sports is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic. With two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Craig Harper, the Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at 60th and Ashworth in West Des Moines. 515-440-4610 or online ashworthvision.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. On today's show, we're visiting with John Flanagan, Executive Director of the Labore Society, a nonprofit organization providing spiritual support and student loan debt financial assistance to men and women discerning priesthood and religious life. Good morning, Mr. Flanagan. Bishop Johnson here. Good morning, Bishop. How are you? Yeah. Marvelous, marvelous. Yeah, it's good. Uh, the great Midwest spring is bursting, even in Minnesota, right? I mean, even in Minnesota. And uh, and the civic peace that prevails, obviously, many prayers and thoughts for the people of Minnesota with the great uh, raw sensitivity and everything else with the George Floyd and Derek Chauvin trial. But we're here focusing on, I think, uh, the charism and the goodness of God continuing to bring forth a kind of springtime of, of the spirit and the vocations that uh, are not uh, being quieted or lying dormant, but how your organization, the Laboratory Society helps to, to facilitate and nurture and, and perhaps open doors of possibility for young women and men who might otherwise find themselves steeped in student loan death, debt as well. So it has kind of a, if I looked at the board composition, it seemed like there was kind of a Midwestern footprint. Am I right to conclude that? Yes, it, we started here. So sort of the friends and family of Labore started in the Midwest, but we are a, a national nonprofit. Okay, okay. And, uh, you know, some of us, including myself, have a great devotion to St. Catherine Labore, the miraculous medal, the image that was given to her, and uh, St. Vincent and Paul's uh, Sisters of Charity as well. How did that uh, become uh, the appropriate uh, name for your organization? Well, by God's grace, she chose us. Uh, the first <laughs> several individuals who our founder encountered 
he he was just serving as a, a lay advisor, if you will, for a local archdiocese, and was given the task to uh, uh, help as a favor a young lady who was leaving service of the diocese if she could find some job and placement elsewhere. She, when he met with her, she had a very large miraculous medal, just not just a tiny one hanging from a chain, but like a two to three inch pendant that was pinned to her blouse. Mm. And so, in the course of that conversation, it's like you know, have you ever considered a religious vocation? And it's like, well, yeah, I had, but I, I have student loan debt, and I'd be too old before I, I could enter to get it all paid off. He then asked, well, what if, he didn't even finish the question, and she said, in a New York second, I'd, I'd be in right now. Mm. And so that, that scenario repeated with the second person that he'd encountered, again, with a similarly large, miraculous metal pendant on the blouse, said, okay, Our Lady has something to do with this, and, and St. Catherine Lavare who, in reading her life story, has a great affinity for the cause. She herself couldn't enter religious life at the beginning because she didn't have a dowry. Mm -hmm. So her mother and father couldn't take care of that dowry. It was her brother and sister-in-law who came forth providing the funding that allowed her to enter into religious life. And coincidentally enough, if you took that value of the dowry back then to current you know, inflationary rates, It's equal to what a student loan debt is averaging in the U.S. now. Oh, so you can see she kind of chose us rather than we chose her. Mm, remarkable. And so it wasn't that uh, St. Catherine's parents were withholding the dowry because they disagreed with her desire to enter a religious community. It's just they simply didn't have the Agreed. means to do so. Okay. Agreed. Okay. All right. And, you know, obviously the, the spiritual resource of a, of a woman who might uh, consider religious life, but the, the, the sisters themselves, you know, you're, you're, you're marrying Jesus, and so <laughs> there's a practical need to support the community and, and on, the, on the human level as well. So even in that time, it wasn't like you're, you're paying or buying off uh, your, the prospect of a slot and something, but just uh, how that uh, human scale of things might be present as well. So, uh, you know, The uh, organization is how long in existence, and how uh, how have you seen the the dynamic and the, and the disposition of people to to support your cause? Well, God is really blessing us. The in 2003 was when Labore was instituted as a as a nonprofit. From 2003 to 2007, our, our founder Sila Rent, great man, uh, personal friend, he really operated out of the spare bedroom in his house. He and his wife. God love them. <laughs> they dedicated house and home, if you will, uh, in providing the space for Labore to exist for many of it. He, he was years. working at home long before COVID. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, so that was, Labore was sort of a, a, a side passion that, that quickly grew into a, a, a full passion for him. Um, so, In doing that work, it was much like a letter-writing campaign. The individuals would find out about Labore. They would bring forth <coughs> pardon me, uh, lists, friends and family, who could they approach, and they'd write letters. And by God's grace, whatever came in, came in. Uh, in 2010 uh, was kind of where I got involved, 2010-2011. At that time, I was a fundraising consultant with Catholic nonprofits. I actually... Uh, point of, of connection, I, I served under your your predecessor, Bishop Pates, at a, a different nonprofit. He's a, he's a great man. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
And now, in, you know, and just a footnote for our listeners, many of them are aware of this, but uh, again, stepping out of <laughs> retirement again, the uh, apostolic <laughs> nuncio. I mean, I was joking with him when he finally, you know, handed off the yoke from the Joliet Diocese. He says, you're finally getting to enjoy this, you know, and and, and suddenly he's named the administrator, apostolic administrator of the Crookston Diocese. So unfortunately, uh, Bishop Hefner has to uh, retire and step down. But, uh, you know, I hope there are at least a few golf courses in the Crookston <laughs> Diocese and area. So, you know, he's... He's so adept at what he does. I'm sure he can tuck in a few 18 yeah. rounds along the way. So, yeah. He is like the Energizer Bunny. God bless him. He just keeps going. Amen. Um, God's grace be unto him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the, the nonprofit society at the time, the board was realizing this is a bigger problem. And just writing letters, the, the scope and scale wasn't going to meet the need. Uh, so at that point in time, the board was just reviewing how do things looking at with IRS case law? How can we make this more uh, go big? How can we actually address this issue? Similarly, at that time, there was a study that shared there were on average 10,000 people discerning in the U.S. a year, and up to 4,000 of them were being denied entrance or able to move forward simply because they went to school and had student loan debt. You know, the communities, they, they struggle with being able to find funding for their own apostolates, but to be able to take care of 20, 30, 50, 100, or more thousand dollars just to get somebody in to discern is not is beyond their, their typical capacity. Mm-hmm. So having that scenario, we were looking it through and realized, well, what if we engage the aspirants themselves, these candidates coming in? So now it's a process where we walk with them. It's a journey of accompaniment. We teach them how to fundraise with a Catholic ethos. We provide them the toolbox, the skills, and actually mentor them over the course of a six-month class and help them raise the funds collectively in a way that is both IRS-compliant and canon law-compliant to be able to address that student loan debt and remove it so that they can move forward freely. This process is something where we're able to take care of figures that would take 10 to 20 years to pay off. We're doing it in 10 to 20 months. So we're taking the years off and replacing that figure with with months. Truly, our remarkable. last class of nineteen individuals, God love them, in the midst of COVID, start to finish. Our training was all virtual. Everything that we were doing was virtual. We helped that class raise over six hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars nationwide. And so we're with a total now. I believe we've helped over three hundred and seventy into religious life that otherwise wouldn't be there, and that's diocesan and sisters and brothers. Oh, fascinating. So you answered one of my questions, whether the diocesan component of this, you know, because sometimes dioceses, you know, I mean, obviously there are Catholic extension dioceses who have more limited resources, but uh, some dioceses might be able to do something. So uh, that that's a phenomenal number and uh, availing yourself even of grant monies and things, but it's you said collectively and you wanted to accent that term because otherwise, if it were going to individuals, they might face other IRS, uh, you know, hoops that they have to, right. have to negotiate. So. A gift can't be tax-deductible if it's ever earmarked or targeted for an individual. So to make this work, all of, say if you had a seminarian who was above your threshold, so they had $150,000, you'd love to have them, but that's a little more than a priestly stipend could manage. So being able to... <laughs> Indeed. As I moved from a college ministry and administration to this, yes, I, I'll second that. Okay. <laughs> So it's, you, you wouldn't want to bring somebody in knowing they'd be saddled with that kind of debt. So here you provided, sent him to La Bure. 
Uh, our traditional program is free. We as a staff, we fundraise ourselves to do this. So there isn't anything that the, the candidates, aspirants as we call them, fundraise comes to our salary. We, we do what we teach in order that we can teach. So we fundraise for our own existence. The funds that we would help your candidate raise, he'd be coming in joining a class of fellow aspirants from across. I mean, we've had from Maine to Guam, historically, hmm. of candidates coming to us. So they are fundraising collectively. The funds are for this common pool, but it is merit-based. The more work you do for the class garners you a larger slice of the pie. Okay. So that way it, you can't sit there and, and rest on somebody else's laurels. Well, wow, they raised a lot of money, and so I'm going to get in now. You do have to do the work. They're yeah. still taking ownership of their debt. Yeah. It's They signed for it. It's their responsibility. But we're just helping them do that. And collectively, we as the faithful, we've been praying for priests, sisters, and brothers for generations now. Mm-hmm. This is a chance where the lady can step in and say, "We, yes, you could do this as a, as a uh, person at Starbucks, but you're going to be 80 before you pay it off. <laughs> you know, or or a, if, even if there is a great gift in having well-educated people as our DREs, but our church can't pay you know, a fifty, eighty thousand dollars salary to pay off a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt in a timely way. Yeah. So these people are already hardwired to give. They love well, but the jobs that they find themselves in aren't typically high paying ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do we leave them there and let them pay it off eventually and enter the priesthood when they're fifty? Or do we say, No, we, we need the priest now. Mm-hmm. We as a lay faithful can step forward and say, Let's usher that timeline and again take decades off. Yeah. But we do it in a way that does protect their canonical freedom of discernment. So when they enter, we don't make a lump sum payment right away. It's three years of active formation. So for a diocesan person, you know, they're getting ready for transitional diaconate. That's a long time to fake it. So we'd be making minimum monthly payments on their student loans for 36 months. But it's not just them discerning, but you as an institution are discerning them. So again, it's it's a hard way to to fake it for three years to get a free education. Indeed. We've seen that, uh, and I think you know you're really speaking to what someone who might have a little bit of uh, circumspection about this, or just kind of saying, you know, is the motivation here that well, the best option to, to get under this uh, yoke of debt? Uh, well, I guess I'll go with religious life, and this organization's helping me. You know, they have to have skin in the game. And, uh, you know, it's a fine line, isn't it, between uh, affording people the freedom of the spirit to discern and the institution as well. You know, that you know the human fa- factors and pressures aren't, uh, you know, confusing that discernment, but at the same time, a personal responsibility. And so you're really kind of helping me in that. And you also answer another question, as we always ask about nonprofits, that, uh, uh, you know, what's the administrative uh, load, uh, you know, and the percentage in comparison to that. But you, you also answered that, that you you as a staff and, you, you know, you have a... a a nice size staff and everything else, but that that's not something that's uh, deflecting from uh, donors' intentions in this regard. Is that fair to say? That's 100% of the funds raised by aspirants aids aspirants. You know, so, as I as I share, when I work through the training courses with the aspirants, you know, I, I am blessed with seven kids. I, I married up, and the kids think after their mother, so life is really good. <laughs> but they have a food addiction. They like to eat a couple times a day. Uh, I, I have to go. <laughs> Only a couple? <laughs> My brothers and I was like six or seven times a day. But anyway. <laughs> you know, so, so I, I do have to go out and fundraise. We go out. You know, we have our advancement office. Our, our, it's a small staff. There are 12 of us. 
you know, we kind of think of it as the 12 apostles. Um, we go out, we fundraise for, for our activities, for our overhead, and, and God continues to bless it. You know, we, we've, in the midst of COVID, everything else, when other people were having some significant issues, we were able to, to maintain and even prepare for the growth that we, we know is coming. Mm-hmm. A, a silver lining in all of COVID, or one of, God willing, many, is that people are hearing that still small voice. Yeah. You know, when they're stuck in their house after they've watched all of Netflix, well, what do I do? Well, I sit and listen. And so there are more people discerning. But the double-edged sword of that is, due to COVID, not many of them could do the live-ins, the come and sees with the religious community. So we've got a, a, a higher number of inquiries, but a little bit of a dip while we're waiting for people to get through that next step. Mm-hmm. Where they have to do the live ins and, and experience, but due to COVID, mm-hmm. they weren't mm-hmm. able to. And we, we you know, we, many people of goodwill, good faith, have said, you know, God is doing something in the midst of all this. And I think, you know, perhaps as you know, we've been able to kind of hone our our sense of uh, focus of what life is all about, and, and again, that call to holiness. Is this going to be a new springtime? Ultimately, that's a prayer that we would all have that God uh, able to bring forth good through anything. Just a couple notes here we hit, and I'm going to ask you if you're willing, Mr. Flanagan, to. to Expand the break here as well. We're about uh, 45 seconds for another break. Uh, but uh, just noting for our listeners, you know, you've got the Guide Star Platinum Seal Transparency for greater nonprofits. So definitely you've been vetted by uh, uh, organizations that want to see how you are, you know, according to standards of the industry as well. But the, the success stories, you know, and you look at the website, you've got Austin Roy, who's considering being a Carthusian with the Charter House of the Transfiguration, Victoria Clarizio, Passionist Nuns, Our Lady of Sorrows in Pittsburgh, uh, all over the place. And Eastern Province Dominicans, uh, several names appear in that regard as well. Uh, some of us familiar with that uh, province, and they're booming at the seams, also might wonder if they might have the more resources to assist their people. But uh, we're ready for a break. So I've, set, I've teed it up, but we've got to come back. And so thank you for pausing, and uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Making a Personal with Bishop Johnson. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarah strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, joinserra.org. Thank you, Sarahns, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at BigRedQ-DesMoines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Welcome back. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. We are here again with John Flanagan, Executive Director of the Labore Society. Thank you for remaining with us, Mr. Flanagan. And I kind of mentioned before the break about uh, some of the stories that it's always nice to see the faces and to come to know the people. We call this Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. And so it kind of enfleshes, incarnates for us who are these individuals and where they're about. Uh, and I note your cohort of January to June 21, 16 individuals, the Class 20. So many uh, promising prospects here as well. Uh, so do you, do you vet the communities? Do you have communities that you're more comfortable if they're inclined to 
these particular uh, uh, vocations, religious life or, or, or dioceses, uh, are there preferred community status, <laughs> if you will? <laughs> well, for us, we though we are working in the discernment space, if you will, we want to stay out of the discernment business. Our litmus test is really the Catholic directory. So if the Church has deemed them to be an appropriate, viable, and uh, in union with Rome, uh, that's good enough for us. So if they are listed in the Catholic directory, they're uh, on our white list, if you will, or good list, to be able to be served. And so the funds, we figure that any community that is sending somebody our way, maybe they have other apostles. As I share with leadership, you work hard to raise the money. Use it for the apostolates. You know, when you think of little sisters of the poor, well, what else can they do with that money? Could they serve the elderly better? What if we took care of that recruitment funding? So your candidates come through us. They don't have to take from the endowments that were given for a specific service uh, for recruitment, and in the process give you a better candidate. Our, we have an 80% retention rate. That's not 80% through our program, but 80% of those who go through our program go on to final vows or ordination. There is a pretty significant impact on an individual's discernment. Um, so we do believe we're helping them have a better candidate by sending them through our program, and God willing, helping them do more with the, the meager resources that, that, that mm-hmm. most nonprofits have. Good. That question prompts a kind of reflection, and again, uh, and from the personal side, uh, I was a spiritual director for women in my time as serving at Loris College, spiritual direction for, for many students, seminarians, and others, some considering religious life, who some who went on to religious life, but also a woman who I think availed herself of, of the Labore Society's support at some point with the Sisters of Life. But the ultimate discernment uh, was that she was not uh, to be a member of that community. I think that was a mutual decision reached with great peace. Would that be considered also kind of a success story in allowing people to, to move into that more intentional phase of uh, discernment and community uh, formation, but that ultimately there? We don't see that as a, a failure, do we? Oh, heavens no. I mean, when somebody goes into discernment, would we not want to have a, a well-educated and even well-formed Catholic in the pew? So that formation that that individual had with the Sisters of Life is going to be invaluable to their parish, to God willing, you know, if she chooses the vocation of marriage to her family and children. That's definitely not uh, any kind of of negative mark. And our our program builds safeguards to help ensure the donor intent, but also that freedom. So as I was alluding, we make payments over a three-year process, but we're only making that minimum monthly loan payment. It's not until the 37th month that we would make the balloon, pardon me, balloon payment for the, the bulk of the, the debt. So if they left at any point in time, they just pick up where they left off, or where rather we left off making the loan payments. They don't owe anybody anything because they've been an active vocation that entire time. Beautiful. So it's beautiful. no strings attached. Beautiful. We've got about 40, 45 seconds left, and just uh, wanted uh, to note on your board is Sherry Nellis from Northwest Iowa, who's national regent-elect of Catholic Daughters of America, now national regent, uh, who actually was uh, installed at the St. John's in Norwalk in a mass I celebrated last fall with Bishop Nicholas of Sioux City. So we see, you know, it's nice to see the kind of Iowa uh, part uh, participation in that as well. Uh, 
last uh, couple seconds, I don't know, is there a correlation between uh, the uh, attendance at Catholic colleges and universities and uh, those who are interested uh, with the higher debt load, or is that something? You've got 10 seconds to answer that question. <laughs> to answer the question, yes. Uh, <laughs> people do discern better at Catholic colleges and sadly often have a lot more debt because of the private nature of the college. Thank you for your participation. I'm sure people want to move to support you at the Library Society. They can find that on, the, on any of their internet search engines. Yes, thank you for having me. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org.